Hello everyone, welcome back to a new podcast where I talk about my psychic experiences. Now really quick before I get started, I do want to say that we are going to be talking about some heavier themes today, um, suicide and um, what else am I going to be talking about? Um, specifically like guns and shootings. So if you are not um, comfortable with any of that, maybe skip this episode and we will see you next time. I just wanted to add that little preface here. And welcome back to another Psychic Experiences podcast. Um, This is the second um, version of it. It really doesn't matter what order you watch it in, but I'm kind of going through all of my psychic experiences. Not all, but the kind of the big powerful ones um, that I've had basically since I started being psychic. But there was more in part one, and I'm kind of just going chronologically here and just chatting about the things that I have experienced as a psychic. And again, more so the bigger events that really have affirmed, all right, I am connecting to something else and this is crazy powerful and cool. And I used to keep a list of all of the big things that kind of have happened to me just because if I'm ever in a moment where I feel like I'm not trusting my psychic ability, I can go back to it and remind myself that I am psychic. And I highly recommend everyone doing that if you are learning how to develop your psychic abilities because you will go through moments where you just feel like you're crazy and you're talking to yourself and sometimes it's really awesome to have those reminders. Um, and again, the other part of why I wanted to do this is I just have a block around not sharing some of this stuff because I was sort of kind of taught that you should keep it to yourself and the only way you're allowed to talk about it is if you get everyone's permission, but that's kind of impossible to do. Like, I could, at the end of every single reading, be like, do you mind if I share this with other people? But, like, the whole point is that, you know, those readings are confidential and you shouldn't be doing that. Anyway, so I try really hard to keep everything confidential and really only talk about um, the things that are extremely important that I think might help you all as psychics. And I try to do so by not ever revealing anyone's information Um, And again, I think it empowers me to trust in my own psychic ability more. So, um, where we kind of laughed off, laughed, where we kind of left off um, from last time was me kind of going through the Aspen program. So, I had a lot of experiences there. I had one more big experience right towards the end that I wanted to talk about now, Um, and that is the gallery reading that I had to do. So during the Aspen program, when I was specifically studying mediumship, like not everyone had to do this, but I decided I wanted to take the mediumship courses. Um, and in actually towards the end of it, you, everyone had to do a gallery reading and you've probably seen a gallery reading before. I think, um, the famous medium is, uh, John Edwards, I feel like, why do I feel like that's wrong? Um, But he's kind of like a guy that would sit in front of a whole audience and he would read people in the audience um, and kind of try to find messages for people that were sitting there. And thankfully, I did not have to do this alone. Um, I have done it alone since as like a service that I've offered, but I, in the class, we did it as a big group. And so basically my teacher 
prepared us. We had one class where we, we came in, we talked, we talked about the ins and outs of how gallery readings work. And like, she was very adamant about making sure we didn't fish for information. So that's saying something like, oh, uh, there's somebody here whose name starts with D. And then, you know, waiting for somebody in the audience to be like, oh, I have somebody that I love named David. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so that itself is kind of like, this, that's called fishing. And we'd want to try not to do that as psychics. She taught us that what you need to do is sit there, try to find the information, try to get that name or personality and then find the person in the audience that it's connected to. Not the opposite of waiting for somebody to provide information that might not actually be connected to um, what you're actually picking up. And that was one of the big critiques that um, some of those psychics would get is like, all right, well, they're just throwing out random names and seeing whoever raises their hand. Um, I'm getting on a tangent here, but that's an important piece that I don't talk about often because I don't, it's, it's kind of hard to teach gallery readings online, um, through my courses. I want to do it in person, but we had to learn all the ins and outs of that, of how do we find the spirits and how do we isolate them to someone in the room? And we also learned about how group energy affects things. Like there might be several people in the room that the message is for, not just one person. Um, and so we learned all of this ahead of time. And then my teacher had us come in on like the following weekend and she had like 30 some volunteers all kind of sitting in rows in this room. And I think, oh, I wish I remember how many of us there were. I want to say at least like six or seven people. And we all kind of stood up in the front of the room together and we just kind of took turns and she had us like step forward if it was our turn to say something um, or sorry, if we felt something and then we would read the people in a room like gallery style. And sometimes we would piggyback on each other and like contribute information to the same person. Um, it was an incredible experience. I will say by the end of it, I was just like so ungrounded. I was like, I felt like I was floating. It took me a very long time to get ungrounded. I felt like that room was buzzing when we were done. It was so cool. Um, but the story behind all of this actually starts the previous night. And the my teacher asked us to um, dream about the group um, just as an extra exercise to hone our psychic abilities. She wanted us to basically ask, hey, is there anything I need to know about the spirit gallery reading that I'm doing tomorrow? And so, of course, I had this crazy vivid dream. Um, I basically had this dream where, and I, I wish I would have taken notes on it. I have no notes anywhere, but I vaguely remember that I was following somebody who was walking onto a bridge. It was like a young girl and she was wanting to jump off the bridge, um, like kill herself. Um, and I was like stopping her, but I also knew it wasn't me. It was like, I was witnessing this happening. Um, and so I stopped her the first time she was safe. She was okay. And then the dream like jumped and it was the same situation, but I just knew it was the future. Like it was, it, it was, there had been some time that had passed. And the same thing happened again where this girl was running out kind of onto this bridge and she was trying to jump, but I couldn't stop her and she jumped and fell and died. 
and I woke up and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what, what is this? How am I supposed to work with this? And I, I knew, I knew it was about, um, something to do with the spirit gallery, but I was terrified because I was learning how to be psychic. I did not know what that meant. I had gone through the dreaming courses um, and if you've watched my videos online, I kind of talk about how some of them are symbolic, some of them are literal. I was praying that this was not literal. Um, and I remember being so unbelievably stressed out that morning, not because of like having to go do the gallery reading or anything, but I was so stressed out about this dream. And I got to the class early and I kind of pulled my teacher aside and I said, look, you gave us this, you know, assignment to do the dream. And then I told her about the dream and I was like, what the hell do I do? <laughs> and she, oh my gosh, I love her so much for this. And I think she gave me such perfect advice in this moment. And she kind of said, well, you know, that dream could have been about somebody in this group or it could have not been. So during this gallery reading, what you're going to do is sort of feel it out. And before you just go jumping in and throwing it out, find if that message is for somebody, ask what that message is about, like get all the details before you even start talking about it. Um, and then she kind of also said, uh, it's been so long, uh, but I think she kind of gave me like an ethical talk of like, you know, make sure if you do give this information that you like state that you can be wrong, you know, all that good stuff. Um, that made me feel a lot better. And I was kind of going into the reading like, all right, I'm going to forget about it. It's never going to come up again. Sweet. Cool. <laughs> I don't have to deliver this message. Um, and then the gallery reading started. I want to say we read for like uh, I want to say maybe two, I want to say three hours, actually. That doesn't seem right, though, but it was a long, long time. Um, and I think we started out and it was going really great and we were all delivering messages. And then probably about halfway through, I started getting my guides in my ear being like, that dream is for somebody in this room and they are giving me chills now. Oh, it's making me emotional just thinking about it. But um, there was a girl um, with her mother sitting in the audience, kind of a young teenage girl. And so I was terrified and I was like, this isn't her. She's not going to do this, you know. And then I remembered uh, Karen's advice and she, I kind of took the time to make sure, absolute sure that it was for that person. And I stood there for a really long time while other people were talking. Sorry if you can hear my son running up above me. <laughs> um, and I made sure that it was for her, that it was not about her. I actually felt like it was like for a friend or a relative possibly. Um, and I really, I checked extra, extra many times before I even opened my mouth. And I was even like, are you sure? I don't want to give this information. But it like, I don't think I've ever had an experience like this where clairsentiently, my body was just like buzzing because I had to deliver this information. And it was like, almost like I was being pushed towards this person. And I almost felt like I got like pinhole vision where nobody else in the room was there. And like, I wanted to just like move towards her, which is a super cool experience. And I think that was my guides like pushing me like, yes, yes, this is right. Um, and so I kind of went the ethical approach again. And I just said, you know, I didn't just vomit this information. 
Um, and I told her, you know, I prefaced it with like, I had this dream last night. I think it might have something to do with you. Do you have a friend or like a relative that has committed suicide or has tried to commit suicide before? And that's where I was going to leave it. If she would have said no, I would have left the information. But I think she immediately started crying from my memory. And they knew she had, I guess, like a really good friend who had tried it before. And basically she sort of said, yes, she had a friend where this had happened before and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I kind of, I think I even looked over at my, my teacher to be like, <laughs> should I do this? And I think I remember her like nodding and, and like letting me know. Um, and so then I kind of very carefully told her about my dream and I just remember like everything else in that room dissolving and that is probably the most I've ever like clearly channeled before. Um, and I just gave them all the information and I just remember like everyone in the room started crying. Everyone was like floored and I don't mean to say that as like, wow, look at how awesome I am. But like the energy of the room of everyone feeling that that information was not mine. And it really was coming from an outside source. Everyone could feel that. And it created this really powerful, powerful energy. Um, and I just, I can't describe it other than like, everyone was so concerned for her and her friend. And I felt like, I think I delivered the message and we had to say something at the end to kind of let everyone else know that we were done. And then I think at the end, my teacher sort of stood up and kind of gave a little bit more like information of like, here's how to handle this situation. I think they decided they were going to go talk to that other uh, girl's mother um, to kind of handle this carefully and not just be like, oh, hey, this random psychic told me your kid's going to die, you know? Um, so Karen kind of stepped in and helped me handle it. Um, and it was just a fantastic learning experience for me because we were dealing with very serious subject matters. And this isn't somebody who's already passed. This was something that was going to happen again. I hope I explained that. Um, I felt like, okay, this friend, yeah, I didn't explain that. I felt like this friend had tried this before and she was about to do so again. Um, and so I think that I, you know, I never ended up finding out what happened or anything. Actually, no, that's not true. I think my teacher actually touch base with those volunteers like a couple weeks later and they had said that they had reached out to that person's mother I don't know whatever became of it after that um but it was just a, an amazing powerful experience like that is number one on my list till to this day and I guess on the outside it probably doesn't sound like a whole lot but the feelings the emotions the complete almost like out-of-body experience that I had while delivering that information was crazy and it was also just extremely validating because everyone after that well not everyone but a lot of people after the gallery reading was over came up to me and they were just like oh my gosh wow that was incredible um and I remembered like being completely drained like that was just way too much for me at that time even like the other students were saying that was fantastic that was so cool um and again not to toot my own horn but in a sense it was extremely validating that i was a clean and clear vessel enough for information to come through me i never took credit for that information we always used to say in the program like 
thank you to spirit thank you to our guides for passing it through us but it's not about me i'm just the vessel um and i that always kept me humble i think um that always kept me now the one downside to that whole experience was there was a few volunteers that got my information and um, wanted readings from me after that um, situation. And I think they probably were like, wow, this chick is so psychic. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to call her back. Um, and unfortunately what that whole experience did for those people is it set an expectation of me being like this amazing, you know, powerful channeler. Um, and so not saying that that's why they stopped contacting me at all, but it feels like, you know, sometimes they would come back and be like, oh, that's that one girl. And then it was like, oh, wow, she's not connecting like that one really cool time that she did. And that's kind of like the bad part of, you know, like bragging about things or just, you know, putting it out there that you are 100% perfect 100% of the time because you're not. We're psychics, we have moments where things are super connected and super powerful, and then we have moments where we're wrong, and we connect wrong, and we're off. And I have had plenty of those, trust me. Um, but I think actually my first, one of my first paying clients, um, and one of my clients to this day was in that room, and she always talks to me about that moment, and um, it's cool to have somebody that shared what that experience was that's still kind of around in my life um so that was crazy powerful amazing i'm gonna move on to the rest of this stuff and then we move on to about like two years later so i have graduated from the aspen program i'm doing readings on and off not very much if you've watched my video on kind of like my business journey after graduating um and i cannot remember how i found renna but Rena Shesso here in Colorado is a shamanic practitioner. Um, she's a rune reader, tarot reader. She's fantastic. I love her approach to things. Um, if you're ever in the Colorado area, I don't think she teaches things online, but she does teach in person currently at the Ritual Craft Store. Um, but she was offering shamanic courses. And it drives me nuts that I can't remember how I found her because I feel like that's important. But... Um, she had workshops in her home and we had like a big basement and she had all sorts of like really comfy pillows and she had just a big empty room and it was dark down there and she taught us how to shamanic journey, but it was like a whole weekend of shamanic journeying. <laughs> we basically would go down, she'd talk, we'd go on a journey, we'd take a break, do another journey, take a lunch break together um hang out in her garden and it was just like a magical magical weekend and we probably did i don't know at least six or seven journeys in a day um each day and that was just like the introductory course and then she also taught like a death and dying course and over a lot of this i just had a lot of amazing experiences that redefined my own spirituality which I am going to talk about in an upcoming um, podcast, just kind of going more in depth on what I actually believe. Um, and I like, I met my first guide in one of her spiritual journeys. I shouldn't say my first guide, but one of the guides that I've had to this day came up to me in our spirit animal retrieval 
when we did that journey. We also did a body dismemberment journey that was amazing. Basically, you you ask a spirit to come in and completely dismember you head to toe and then put you back together. Um, and I would not recommend doing that without understanding how that works first. Um, but it was incredibly powerful. All these were incredibly powerful. I even went back into a past life where I met um, a family member and kind of understood more about why I'm supposed to be doing intuitive work. And I just, I could go in detail on all of those, but they really more resonated with me um, than I think they would with anybody else hearing it. Um, but one of the most powerful um, journeys that we did on one of those weekends during the death and dying course, um, Rena prompted us to basically go into a journey and ask the question, what happens after we die? And I remember the beat of silence that happened in that room when everyone was like, what? We're really going to do that? And I remember everyone kind of being a little bit scared of like what was going to happen. And even I was kind of scared. I was like, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> and, um, and so we did a journey. It was at the end of the day. So we were pretty well practiced. And it, once you do so many in a row, it kind of gets easier to fall into it. Um, and so it took me a little bit longer than normal because I was so afraid to kind of know what was there. But once I finally gave in, relaxed and kind of trusted the process, I was able to start journeying. And I should preface here, if you haven't ever heard of shamanic journeying, this is just, um, a different way of approaching. Uh, it's, it's a combination of like a visual meditation, some would also um, akin it to maybe like astral traveling. It's basically trying to move yourself to a different reality um, and connect with guides to get um, questions answered. They also made a very clear distinction to me that um, our bodies are, is what is keeping us from being firmly in that place with them. It's almost like the body is weighing us down into this version of reality. And that's the reason, you know, we are not the same as them, as we have those bodies and they are, they are without. And they told me everyone is light and love, free of everything. Um, they don't have purpose there. They, they said they are purposeless, but you choose to go back for a reason. Again, I'm not saying this is the truth, but this is what this journey was and who my, or what my guides were basically telling me. Um, they also showed me, because I started asking questions then, and I said, okay, well, when we talk to you, what does that look like for you? And it was almost like a hologram shot up through the floor, and it was like we, us trying to talk to them, and we were all garbled and, and confused, and like, you can't hear us very well. But they said that they could still come see us. And it was really interesting because um, they showed me that they could affect our reality. Like they pushed something off of a dresser uh, like in their reality, but then it happened real time in our reality. And that one really threw me because up to this point, and I mean still to this day, I have a really hard time believing they can physically manipulate things. Um, I could be wrong, but um, that one really threw me for a loop. And I knew that wasn't my ego because I didn't believe that at this time. There was a lot of these things that I didn't really believe in or had been exposed to through this community, even up to this point. 
this was all very new information and information that was very much outside of myself, which was probably why this was so stinking cool. Um, and when I asked them about spirits that had not fully crossed over, like, is that a thing? What are they? And it was like they said, they haven't fully pulled their head out of these orbs. They're like trying to come back, but they're not quite here yet. Again, that part was very clearly like symbolic, but it was helpful to kind of have that visual of like, well, they've died there, but they're not fully over on this side yet. And so that's what's going on here. And then I think um, towards the end of the journey, my teacher would kind of change the pace of the, the drumming. So we would know to kind of like wrap it up. And so I kind of walked back into this room as if I was coming, you know, back through the way that I came. And um, the guides told me, my guides told me that you can come in together through this orb. Like multiple people decide to come in on a lifetime together. And I think that that's where I got the impression that like where we chose our families. Like, oh, this is where we all decide to come back and live a life again together. And I will say that everyone on that side was happy and having fun and they're like, let's go do it. It's like a game. You know, they knew perfectly well that they would be safe at the end of whatever journey that they put themselves through. And I think that's all I kind of had with that journey because we had to wrap it up. But I just remember that was super powerful for me. You know, some of you guys are probably like, oh, well, yeah, that's what I believe in. But for me, up until that point, I was studying the psychic ability, but I really didn't have any sense of like what I believed. I was just trying to get rid of the things that I didn't believe in, that I knew I didn't believe in, that Christianity had taught me. And I was kind of a blank slate. Um, and that sounds like the wrong way to put it, but I was just trying to find what I believed in. And that experience felt so real to me that it has definitely influenced a lot of my beliefs and how I see spirits in the afterlife. And often I will see this imagery um, a lot in dreams or even as I'm doing readings for other people. That's like how I know it's a past life or something is I see that like orb and like somebody sticking their head into it. And that's kind of just a symbol for me of like, oh, this is a past life or maybe they're coming back or maybe they're trying again. And I don't know, it just really shaped some of my personal spiritual beliefs. And that's just one of those journeys that really stuck out for me. Um, and I will always remember it. I mean, those classes were so transformational for me. I also did a journey where we met a loved one and I had lost my grandfather probably uh, five years prior to that. And um, I really got to speak with him and kind of see his version of heaven and he kind of showed me what that looked like for him and it was beautiful um and then I I also did a journey um in the future where I visited my own descendants and that that's a cool experience to do um and if even if you're not super aware of like what shamanic journeying is you could use these prompts and do automatic writing you could even just meditate with it so like if any of these sound super cool to you go ahead and try it um there are some interesting prompts that yield interesting results now i'm not sure when this next experience happened um but i um the night before a big school shooting happened here in Colorado, I dreamt about it. 
Um, and it was specifically Arapahoe High School. It was in the, um, like, county that I went to school in, but it wasn't the same exact school. Again, I was, like, I think well out of college. Um, and that night I just had a dream, very vivid dream, where I was in a school and someone was outside shooting at people and I was, like, hiding in one of those, like, cabinets that they have for, like, storage. Um, and it freaked me out, woke up, and I was like, oh, whatever, okay, that was just a dream. It's probably just telling me that I'm afraid or I'm stressed out about something. That's usually what I chalk it up to. And then I think I got to work, um, and I think it was, like, an hour or two into work, and I checked my phone and came to found out, came to find out that... Um, that school in Colorado had an evacuation. They had a shooting. I can't remember if anyone was, I, I don't think anyone died, but I think some people were injured. Um, and it was just crazy because, um, I had dreamt about it and I had even told my husband, I think the morning that it had happened before we found out about the school shooting. And that to me was just confirmation that I was definitely picking something up. I did not know it was literal. Um, I probably could not have done anything with that information. Like, I would have had no idea what school it was. Um, but I do believe, looking back, that it was a precognitive dream where I was probably um, connecting with somebody who was hiding um, and kind of being in that terrified energy. And I think my guides were trying to warn me about it, but I just kind of missed that message. Um, but... Another kind of cool experience where um, I dreamt about something before it happened. And so I'm getting closer and closer to current day and I've had a, definitely a ton of experiences. I'm looking at old journals, but nothing like, wow, amazing, um, more just personal to me. Like I was very in tune with um, somebody that I know to be deceased that I've never met before um that was kind of like a celebrity that I really like respected and I tried talking to them and I really started doubting myself a lot um but at the same time I was having these really amazing experiences and talking to this person that I knew was here once upon a time and I was just kind of like journeying trying to get answers from him and I developed a, a kind of deep relationship with this spirit that has since passed but I kind of started doubting myself and I'm like who am I to be talking to a celebrity like I'm not even comfortable saying who it is because I don't know why I feel like I can talk to everyone else that's um passed away but as soon as you get into celebrity celebrity status um it almost feels like I'm not allowed to go into that territory so probably another block that I need to work through um but I've had very cool experiences with particular guides and I am going to talk about that again in my next podcast. And then I had um, a lot of cool experiences too with another guide um, that I basically kind of asked, hey, like, can I have a guide for like wedding day stuff um, so that I could ease my stress and anxiety? And so I had a guide that was there to kind of help me through my wedding day. And it was so cool because even during my wedding day, I was able to take a second, even like when I was going to the bathroom. Um, I mean, even as I was like walking down the aisle or doing different things, like I was able to like briefly, very quickly tune into this guide. 
um, and get messages from them. And I think I like took all of those notes. There's nothing really incredible about that other than it's just a cool use of talking to your guides. And I think he was reminding me throughout the day to like take mental snapshots. Um, and really he, he helped me, um, um, present my energy and like slow down if I was getting caught up in all the details. And that was one of the things that I had asked him to do was I knew how quickly a wedding day could just fly by if you're just like, okay, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. Um, but I really wanted to be mindful my entire wedding, um, and just really enjoy every second of every moment. And he was there to kind of help me with that. And so just another cool thing you can ask your guides to do. And I think doing that made my day even more special. And I came home and like took all of these um, notes of like what happened during my wedding day. But some of them are just like this, this back and forth interaction that I had with this guide was part of like what was fun about that day. Now I am leaving out some of the experiences that I've had um, at funerals during all of this. Um, and that's only because I've already made that as a video. So if you're really enjoying these podcasts, go check out that video on my YouTube because experiencing those um, funerals are stories in themselves. And then we jump forward to when I was pregnant with my first son. Gosh, it's already almost been two years um, since he was born at the current time of me recording this. Um, I had him in June 2020. Um, and I I actually made a vlog series about my whole entire pregnancy journey on my channel. Back then, I didn't really quite understand that that's probably not what my viewers wanted. But I tried to give it like an intuitive psychic flair. I think I'd sort of achieved that. If you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Um, if you like me, if you like my energy, but it's long. <laughs> Um, and I will say too that if you are expecting, if you are planning on having kids, probably do not listen to this section um, because I don't, I, I worry that it's going to cause fear, especially if you are pregnant and you are afraid of kind of like the birth process. You can save it for when you're done. If you feel like you got a stomach for it, awesome. Um, and really the only reason why I say that is I, is because I know how important it is before you are going to give birth, um, how important it is to listen to positive birth stories. And there are a lot of negative birth stories out there. And I think that that's normal. You know, people need to put it out there and they need to process their emotions and they need to work through the pain um, of, you know, some things in their birth story that did not happen the way they wanted it to happen. Um, and that was definitely the case for me. Um, even though I tried very hard up front to not have that happen. Um, I tried to go to a birth center. I tried to go to basically a, a place that was hopefully going to help me have a more positive birth experience. But what I learned kind of as a whole was that just because the place that you birth in is like you know, woo-woo, crunchy granola, it doesn't necessarily mean the experience will be that way. And I learned that my pain tolerance is not very high. <laughs> and I also had an 82-hour birth. Um, so I do think drugs could have helped speed that along. So by the end of this, I was extremely exhausted. Like, I was not even functioning. I hadn't eaten in days. Um, like, and at birth centers, if you don't know, they don't give you drugs. Um, they don't 
really provide any sort of medical intervention, but I knew that going into that. And I am very proud of myself for being able to say that I did that. No medications, no drugs. I, I feel very empowered that I can say that I did that, but I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> um, but it was this interesting experience of having both really awesome things, but also really bad things about it. And I think that's the thing with birth is that there's always two sides to your birth story. I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk about giving birth and saying that it was 100% perfect. Um, but for me in particular, just because I did not have pain medication and because I had been going so long um, on my own, it was extremely, uh, I got very like down, very depressed towards the end, especially because too, I was giving birth in the middle of a pandemic. It was June, 2020. We still didn't know like how bad things were. I mean, at that point, that was when the virus was still very deadly and it hadn't mutated into something a little bit more mild. Um, so I was not allowed to have family at all in my birthing room. So it was me, my husband, and the two midwives that were there. And the midwives, I thought were going to be there. I thought they were going to be emotional support. No, they just kind of came in and checked on me every now and then. And so it was all on my husband to basically take care of me. Needless to say, I'm, I'm giving you this background to kind of let you know how exhausted and how not hopeful I felt towards the end of this. Uh, we were going on hours and hours. I didn't know how long I was there. I was in such pain. My husband was like falling asleep next to me. I felt so unbelievably alone and scared and I, it, it was just terrible. It was awful. And, um, during this moment, um, because they often say that when you are giving birth, you often leave your body to go collect um, the soul of your baby to bring them back. And I definitely had moments where I felt like I was not there. I was not in my body. It was probably what we do in order to deal with the kind of that pain. But what happened is at one point I was laboring in the bathtub and I was kind of zoning out, just working through contractions. This was one of the moments that my husband was asleep on the floor and the midwives were not in the room. And um, it, the most ter I got the most terrifying vision during all of this. And it was definitely psychic. Like, I even knew it at that moment. Um, but I was, like, closing my eyes just way out of it. And all of a sudden, I just saw this black hand, like, baby hand, shoot out of the tub water as if it were in there with me. And it scared the bejesus out of me. And I remember just, like, snapping myself awake and being like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, like... And then I remember being like, okay, that was psychic. What the hell was that? And um, I think I remember my guides just being like, Lauren, you are like in doom and gloom mode. You are, you are not staying positive. And because of that, you are, you're just attracting negativity and you're attracting more fear and more worry. And they were trying to give me that in kind of like a clairvoyant vision, but it was terrifying. Um, but it was good because I didn't have anybody in that room basically in there being like, Lauren, you need to stay positive. You need to like, you are not going to die. This will work out on its own. But because of the circumstances, I just wasn't in that headspace and I needed somebody to tell me that. And my guides basically came in and to told me that, which was super cool. 
obviously had my son, I think a few hours after that. Um, and we'll just leave that birth story there. There was a lot of, again, negative about it. Um, I talk about it more in depth in one of those vlogs, if you're really curious, but, um, the interesting, interesting thing about that experience was afterwards got home, you know, I've got this new baby, been recouping for a long time. But then I was seeing this spirit around my ho home um, and he was scary. And I don't know why the word banshee kept coming up, but I felt like that was like what he was. And I felt like, and I don't mean to scare you guys, you guys know <laughs> with my channel that you can protect yourself from all of these energies. Um, but I often would start to see this tall, slender being, like it was not human and he was like in white and black and he had black frizzy kind of like a fro hair but his eyes were like big white balls and his face was black and he kind of looked very like skeletal um and he was there just to scare me like he was there in our house to freak me out and he definitely did that um and so I kind of had this moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm letting in negative spirits. Like, I, I should know better than this. Like, I'm a, I'm a psychic. I, I should be able to handle this. And I couldn't get rid of him for a while. Um, and then I, I remembered, like, talking out loud to my husband about it. And I was like, I'm seeing this spirit, blah, blah, blah. And when I started to talk out loud, um, I, I started to realize that he was attached to something in my life that I was still holding on to. Um, and it was that I'm holding on to something negative and he's kind of being attracted in by it. And he's kind of using that as like a loophole to hang around. Um, and then when I really sat down, I think I did like maybe a meditation on it or something. And then I realized it was, it was from that moment. It was from the moment where that black hand came out of the water, where I got to a place in my birth that was so dark and so negative um, I was afraid of that. I was afraid still of what had happened and I was suppressing those emotions and really not working through it. And so what I did was I took the advice that I would give anyone else, which is to do the shadow work around it, do kind of, instead of hiding, you know, from those emotions or stuffing it under a rug, um, it's to kind of deal with it and heal from it. So I did a lot of journaling around my birth. Um, I did a lot of talking about it. I did a lot of healing with it. Um, I don't think I'm fully healed from it and I definitely need to do some more work around it before I have my next kid. Um, but that helped, um, that helped me realize that that was an experience. That's what it was. Um, and it doesn't have to affect me anymore. I felt through those negative feelings and then I let them go and voila, that spirit disappeared. <laughs> Um, and so I didn't mention that in my vlog because I didn't want to freak anyone out. Um, but I kind of feel like if you're here on my podcast, my, my content, I don't want to say is like elevated, but it's a different type. So, um, that was just a very interesting psychic experience in relation to my birth and like after my birth. Um, and I've never heard that from anybody. And that's why I thought I'd share it is because maybe someone else out there has had something similar happen. I definitely wish I could end this on a better note or a better story, um, but I don't really have anything after that. Obviously, I've had plenty of readings after this was actually the whole situation that I had where my cousin passed away, um, and I have a lot of that 
and the, the major experiences that I had from that kind of interspersed along some of my videos. Um, and so, and then that, I think that brings us up to today and I'm going to continue to kind of keep a log of everything that I, that happens because I want to do better about that. And so definitely do that for yourselves as well. Even if you're not this like crazy professional psychic, even when you have these moments where you just know it was spirit, you know, it was something else, you had a dream, you had an experience. I think it's so important to like keep it, you know, save it, write it down and come back to it because then you can validate your psychic ability when you're really just not having any faith in it. So I hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Um, be sure to stick around for the next one. Um, the next one, I'm going to go more in depth on spirit guides and kind of how you can connect with your spirit guides. And it's going to be more of a spirituality post, which is not usually what I gravitate towards. I like to give you guys the tools um, to understanding your psychic ability so that you can connect with whatever it is you believe in. Um, but usually that's kind of where I stop information. Like I'm not here to tell you what to believe in or what's on the other side. I know I kind of did that a little bit today, um, but that's just kind of my own experiences. And my thing is I just want you guys to have the tools to be able to do that for yourselves, no matter what your religion is, lack of religion is. Um, and I think that, um, the, again, the next podcast is going to be more so on that side of things, like really understanding your spiritual team and how to connect with them deeper and have more of that spiritual divine, um, divinity relationship, I guess I should say. Um, I do feel like one of the areas that we struggle in often with, um, spirit guides is just not connecting to them and not feeling like they are real sometimes. And it's interesting how we can so easily believe in like God or something like this. But then as soon as somebody tells us we have a spirit guide, it's almost like harder for us to believe because it's, it's individual, you know, it's individualized to us. And, um, anyway, I'm already starting to talk about it. So <laughs> if you're interested in that, check out the next podcast, but thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next time. All right. Bye.